Welcome to the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Martha. And our mission is to connect the past and the present Nikki Mom by celebrating our stories and what our babies have overcome. Whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago or whether you find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone. Hi, mamas, and welcome to the Dear Nikki Mama podcast. It's your co-hosts, Martha and Ashley. Ashley, it's such a pleasure to see you from afar. Such We're back in, in with one of our isolation editions of the podcast. <laughs> uh, and as you know, the primary function of Dear NICU Mama is to share journeys from the before, after, and during the NICU. And today is no different. We have a wonderful story of encouragement and um, just incredible, powerful hope from this mama. Her mm-hmm. name is Brandy Walcott. Can you say hello, Brandy? Hi. <laughs> Brandy's story is actually very full. There are a lot of different elements to it. Brandy is a cancer survivor. She has um, two NICU babes. One is an angel. And uh, we just really wanted to give the time to highlight all the elements of the story because we know it's going to bring um, a lot of hope. Um, it's going to bring a lot of love to mamas who've been in the same boat. So her episode is actually going to be in two parts. So we're going to release them separately. And today we're going to focus on the first part of her journey. So Brandy, again, thank you so much for being here and being so generous with your story. And immediately, I think we were both just taken aback by how comfortable you are in sharing it. Um, mm-hmm. I, it takes a really strong person to be that vulnerable with two complete not so strangers over the internet. So. <laughs> <laughs> and we very creepily like sent you an Instagram message being like, we like you, will you come be on our podcast? <laughs> I literally I'm saw, grateful to do it. Yeah. I saw your profile and I just started reading about your story and just all that you've gone through. And I texted Martha immediately and I was like, we have to get to know her. We have to be friends and we need to have her on the podcast because her story is remarkable. So thank you for being thank here. <laughs> So as, you know, Maria from The Sound of Music says, let's start at the very beginning. Um, <laughs> what, is, what is life like with your, with your husband? And what, what did you imagine would be your child-bearing um, years? And how did you find yeah. out you were pregnant the first time? Yeah, um, my, I am married to my husband, Anthony. We got married in December of 2016. Um, kind of shocking because we were friends for so long before. Um, and so I guess that's the cool thing is you marry your best friend and life is just fun and amazing. Um, we wanted to be married a full year before we had a baby, just because we had always heard that first year of marriage is really hard. And in my experience, it was the easiest because for our journey, there was nothing crazy that happened. Um, and so we found out that I was pregnant the first time. Um, it was actually Mother's Day weekend which was really cool. Uh, we were really excited. Obviously we kept it quiet. Um, it told our moms, obviously like, here's a perfect mother's day gift. <laughs> um, and so that for me, it, I was freaking out like, Oh my gosh, am I ready to be a mom kind of thing? Um, but there was so much excitement with it. I had never really heard of any horror stories, I guess. Um, I have a lot of friends that have had perfect pregnancies. I do have a lot of friends that have had miscarriages as well. Um, it was just something that never had really crossed my mind. Um, and so my whole pregnancy was actually really rough. Um, at about week nine, I started spotting. And so I went into, I didn't know to just call my OB. Of course, we rushed to the ER. Uh, they were very much like, this is not an emergency. Like, you're not bleeding to death. Don't worry about it kind of thing. 
uh, for me, it was really scary because it was our first baby. I knew nothing different. Um, they had, we did an ultrasound. Everything was fine. They sent us home. And then a couple weeks later, I was still spotting. And so I was going into my doctor constantly. Um, and I actually, at the time, had a lot of pain in my body, but was just told this is part of um, this is just part of pregnancy, like things are stretching and growing and all of this kind of stuff. And so I just listened and I'm like, it's a doctor. She knows what she's doing. Um, I don't know anything different. I have nothing to compare it to. I know everyone's body is different. Uh, but it was just kind of like almost debilitating pain at some points where it was hard to get out of bed. And I'm like, this can't be normal. Um, and so I just kind of, I kept listening. I kind of kept pushing, probably not as hard as I should have. Um, I think when you don't have any experience, you just kind of assume that the professionals know. Um, and that's why you pick your doctors, you, you trust them. And so uh, for me, it was a completely different experience. Um, and then one day I was at work and I was kind of spotting and I had text my husband like, hey, I think I'm spotting again. But at this point I was just like, oh, it's normal. Um, and so I didn't really freak out. And then that night when I got home, I was in a lot of pain. And so I just kind of laid down, put my feet up. And then later that night, um, the bleeding got really, really heavy. And so I woke up my husband. And I was like, we have to go to the hospital. Like something's not right. I was in crazy, crazy pain, which at the time I didn't know were contractions. I had no idea. It, I was only 22 weeks. So I didn't expect that at all. Um, I have a really high pain tolerance. And so by the time I got to the hospital and they did an ultrasound, I was actually already dilated to a six, wow. um, wow. which I had, and I had no idea. And so we got there and the nurse was like, uh, Hey, you're going to be admitted. You're probably going to want to let your parents know. Um, cause my parents had come by and they left. They were actually heading to the airport to go to Texas. Um, she's like, you're going to want to call your parents. Uh, you're going to be admitted. And I was like, Oh, for how long? Still like completely oblivious, had no idea what was happening. And she was like, until you have your baby. And I was shocked. Like, there's no way I'm 22 weeks. I cannot have this baby. Um, and so they immediately did a steroid shot, which, oh my gosh, was so painful. Um, and then they had put me on magnesium and the on-call doctor, he kind of came in and was like, your baby's going to die. So, and just very blunt. Oh my God. And I oh. remember looking at my husband and I was like, get him out of here yeah. right now. Oh um, for me, I'm a believer and my faith is super strong. And I was like, okay, like, God, you're going to put the right people, uh, in this room for me. And he's not it. <laughs> I need him yeah. out. Yes. Um, and so I remember kind of going back and forth with the doctor and he's like, well, you can do this, but it's really, it's not worth it. And, and at that point, I think the mama bear in me just kind of kicked in. And I said, this is my son and I'm going to do everything in my power at the end of the day to know that I did what I could. Mm -hmm. I said, so every shot, every IV, like hook it all up. I want it immediately. And so that was probably at about 1am. And they like took me to the room and I was in so much pain, like the epidural, I couldn't get an epidural correctly because I couldn't sit up. So they had my bed completely inverted. I was pretty much upside down mm -hmm. and they um, had the anesthesiologist come in. He was trying to give me an epidural. He spent like 30 minutes and he's like, I, I can't administer it. It's not, it's not working. I can't get the placement right without sitting you up. So that alone was like so painful. And I just remember my parents were in the room and my husband was in the room. And um, I just 
had worship music on and I was, it was a weird feeling because there was fear, but there was also peace at the same time, which mm-hmm. sounds so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would just was in that like fight mode. Like I have to, like, I can't freak out right now. I just have to do whatever's needed. Um, and being on magnesium, I was completely out of it. So I would completely fall asleep and then a contraction would come and it would wake me up and be super painful. But then I couldn't really communicate being on the magnesium. So I could hear things going on around me, but couldn't respond. So I can hear my parents, I can hear my husband. And I, so I can, like I'm a part of every conversation, but they have no idea like what I'm thinking because I physically can't get it out. And so um, I had, I ended up, my water ended up breaking and I would say, gosh, within minutes, I delivered um, my son, his name is Declan. And it was the weirdest thing because no one was there. And I, I felt something and I said, something just happened oh my and it wasn't painful. And the nurse came over and she was like, oh my gosh, you just delivered your baby. There was no one there. There was no nurse in front of me. There was no doctor. Oh. Um, thank God that he was as small as he was because I mean, he would have fallen off the table kind of thing. Um, and so after that, everything from there was kind of just a blur. And I was so in shock. Never in my mind did I think, oh, he's going to die. I just thought, oh my gosh, he has to go to the NICU. Like, this is crazy. Um, Not knowing that we were at a hospital that didn't intervene um, before a baby is 24 weeks, which is what they consider viable. So uh, we did what we need to do and we prayed and uh, we have the most incredible support system in the world. I had, our family was in the waiting room. My best friends were in the waiting room. Our pastors were there. Just like everyone was just ready to go. Um, and so we had, my husband and I had just cleared the room and we just prayed and we prayed over Declan and just, we were just standing there believing for a miracle, basically like um, until the very end, we were going to believe for a miracle. And um, it didn't work out the way that we thought. Um, but sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can say that God was super present in our journey. And there's so many things that I'm obviously so grateful for. Um, I learned a lot about us. I learned that we're more resilient than we thought. Um, I learned that for us personally, without our faith, we wouldn't have made it. There's no way. Um, I learned that I definitely married the right person. And I think for me, that was really cool um, because a lot of people don't stay through stuff like this. And for us, um, obviously, like our counseling came from a lot of our, like our pastors and they were just really big on the communication thing, just making sure that we were, that our marriage would stay strong, that we wouldn't cause this to be the thing that could tear us apart because it so easily could just because people grieve differently. Um, and so we kind of went through the whole journey of, um, he lived for two hours after that. It was kind of like a whirlwind because there were so many people there that it was, it was a shock to me. So at that time we weren't like, it was weird. There was not like a lot of emotion. Um, I wasn't like in the corner, like bawling my eyes out or anything crazy like that. Um, it was more of, it was weird because I was so grateful. I was grateful that we got to meet him 
that we got to hold him because I know so many moms don't get that opportunity. And so for us, it, I was just really trying to look at the positive side of it in that moment. Um, it was crazy because uh, my sister is my best friend and she actually was living in Australia that year. And so to have to, you know, make a FaceTime call and let her know what had happened was absolutely heartbreaking. She was in, like she was in Fresno within 48 hours of getting the news. Like it was just, so our support system made a huge difference for us. Um, I don't think that we would have been able to walk through that journey without them, which is uh, for us, I know naturally both of us are very, uh, keep things to ourselves. We're not super open uh, with communication when you're going through things. And I think that this journey taught me that you have to be, you have to find your circle and you have to find the people that are loyal, that aren't going to, I guess, expose your feelings to other people. Um, we had people that we had, that we were able to talk to that we knew we could just be open with and be vulnerable with and know that they were going to protect our story um, until we were ready to share it, which was huge for us. Um, and so we just, it was, it was a crazy thing um, going through the whole process of we're going to, we chose to do a burial. Um, so that was really, really crazy um, going through that whole process of um, designing a headstone and all those things that you would never imagine having to do as a mom. Um, but at the end of the day, I was super grateful because he's, he made me a mom. And um, my motherhood journey obviously looked very different. Um, but it was something that I was so grateful for. Obviously, you're not raising, I wasn't able to raise him. But I feel like it taught me a lot about myself because I feel like in the beginning when I got pregnant, it was like, holy cow, am I going to know what to do? Or is it just going to kick in? And I think being in labor with him taught me like, no, I could do this. Um, as much as I may have doubted it before, um, it was weird to me how much you could love another person, which I had always heard from my mom friends, but I was like, oh, wow, this is a total different level of loving someone. Um, but I mean, it obviously didn't end like how we thought, um, at the same time, it brought the situation probably saved my life. Um, being just going through the postpartum experience. And again, with the same doctor, just hearing like, when you're in pain, you know, it happens like there's your hormones are everywhere, which I totally understood. Um, and then just going through the the process of grief and I know like how stress can um, hurt things in your body. And so just kind of figuring out what that looked like um, and then having to really be like, okay, I've got to find a different doctor um, because this isn't, something's not right. Like it doesn't like things like this don't just happen. Um, which I have found out that things like that do happen. Preterm birth does just happen, but I didn't. Um, but there's always, usually there's something behind it in your body, why it doesn't work out. First, thank you so much for sharing about yeah. Declan's life. It's an honor for us to know him through you. I, a lot of our story are really similar. Um, mm -hmm. and so it's just, it's always amazing hearing someone relay parts of it that I haven't thought about for years. Yeah. And also I think the other part of it that from your story that I really picked up is that your, your mother intuition, like your, your access to that mother bear thing was 
evidence since day one. And Mm -hmm. I I also think it's a, a, a testament to your inner strength and resiliency that when medical professionals, and I'm using my air quotes, um, mm-hmm. they are medical professionals. Why am I right. Sorry, I take right. that back. Um, <laughs> when people who are so meant to be the experts say, no, you're fine, the part right. of you that said, no, it's wrong was wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Ashley and I would say, because I think we're women of faith too, like sometimes that's divinely inspired. And, right. and mm-hmm. that's, that's really important um, to listen to. But then the other thing is that you acted on it and you spoke right. out and, and in, in doing so, you probably saved your own life. Mm-hmm. And then um, you also made it so that you could meet Declan. I think that that is so incredible. And I, yeah. I'm just in awe of you as a person. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. Thank and, you. Um, I'll just continue of, like saying how wonderful. <laughs> but I, I just think that um, when you get used to telling the story of your angel child, you you don't step back and say, wow, like the fact that I'm telling this and spreading mm-hmm. his joy, you know, the joy he brought us to other people right. is really powerful. And that's amazing. Um, I, I wonder too, you know, I, I have a couple questions about him, but okay. you know, how did you pick Declan as his name? Um, we, I mean, it's weird because before I was ever pregnant, we had um three names picked out actually which is crazy to me because I only wanted two kids um I had never ever intended to have three pregnancies and so I had two boy names and a girl name and I wanted a boy so bad um which is weird to me because I grew up with a sister and I love our relationship I love my relationship with my mom I just wanted a little boy so bad. Could be because a lot of my closest friends have boys and I adore them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just, we wanted something that, we wanted our kids' names to mean something. Um, for me, that's really huge when it's something that we're calling them all the time. And so um, it just, yeah, it just, we, I like the name. I had never actually heard it before, which I found out it's somebody's name. I don't even know what show it is, but it's a really popular name on some really popular show. Don't even know what it is. And so people were like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I don't even know what the show is, how I found it. Um, I literally was looking through, uh, we just wanted to pick names that meant something. And so I guess that's it, it means man of prayer full of goodness mm-hmm. um and so and then his middle name is Graham which means warlike mm-hmm. and so uh yeah it's crazy it's crazy how we have so I mean I guess man of prayer full of goodness it was a lot of things that we had to kind of figure out for our life too um so that's how we came up with it I have never really been someone I never was someone who grew up thinking like oh, I can't wait to be a mom. I've just never been like that. I wasn't the girl that grew up about dreaming about my wedding day or I always wanted to be a mom, but it wasn't something that I like was looking at baby names constantly or anything like that. I literally went to a baby shower. And then that afternoon I came home and I was talking to my husband and I was like, I'm really into baby names right now. So I'm just (laughs) going to throw some names out there and you can tell me if you like them if you don't like them there were a lot that he didn't like um and then when we came across Declan it was just something clicked and it was a name that we had neither of us had ever heard before I found it on I don't know baby center or something like that 
And then we looked up the meaning and I was like, this is it. Like, this mm-hmm. is our baby's name, um, which I wasn't pregnant. So I was like, well, hopefully it's a boy because <laughs> this is the name we have picked. So yeah, it was just, it was kind of random. Yeah. Random in some ways, but it seems yeah. like it was pretty purposeful in others. I think that's pretty, it's incredible. And I, you said he only lived for two hours. Um, mm-hmm. But could you share, were there any, was there anything special you noticed about him when you were with him? Did you, did you pick out any features that looked like you and your husband? Um, he definitely had broad shoulders like my husband mm-hmm. and he had my nose exactly. Oh my gosh. It's funny because it's the exact same thing with Maddox. Mm-hmm. Identical. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a little bit feisty. Uh, <laughs> we, which I mean, that's definitely me too. <laughs> uh, we, I remember oh, no, I can't of, tell. <laughs> <laughs> one of our pastors was actually in the room holding him. And when she went to, I don't know if she went to touch him or what it was, but he kind of like jerked his shoulder, like get off me kind of thing. And we laugh about it to this day because I'm like, oh my gosh, he's spicy. Like, and so it's, it's weird how you can see different personality types and stuff like that, even when they're that small and they're technically not even supposed to be here yet kind of thing. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it was, it was a weird moment because I was also like in shock still coming off of medication so it's kind of a blur but there's very much like distinct moments like that that I can remember and was there anything I know you talked about you played worship music um and it sounds like you were able to to share him with a lot of people come in Mm -hmm. and hold him um, was there anything else special that you did with him during that time? Did you take pictures? Did you? We did. Um, that was the weirdest thing for me. Um, there, I think there's like one like candid picture where we're sitting there like posing, holding him. Um, for us, we didn't ever do any close-ups, um, which I don't know to this day. Do I kind of regret it? Yes, but I don't know at the time that I could have handled it. Um, the only reason why there's pictures is because my mom was in the room and just started taking pictures, which my sister and I always get on her case, like, stop taking pictures, like just random <laughs> pictures, bad. you know, it's like, you always oh, have yeah. pictures where you look horrible. Mm-hmm. And I am so grateful that mm-hmm. she did because that's all we have. Um, she caught a picture of my husband sitting with him in the rocking chair and it is to this day, my favorite picture that I've ever seen, um, because it's so special to me. It was Mm -hmm. the time that I got to see him become a dad. It was the time, like, it was just different. It was different, like seeing my husband in a different space. And, Mm -hmm. um, I'm so grateful that she started just snapping pictures because I would regret it so much if I didn't have anything. Mm -hmm. So we did have, yeah, we did have pictures, but not like, I mean, there's one that I'm still sitting on the hospital bed. I look crazy in my gown and holding him and you can tell they're forced smiles, you know? Um, but then there's some that it's like a genuine smile and I'm like, oh, wow, you can really see the difference in this. Um, but it was, it was a weird thing. Like right when he was born, they were like, do you want to hold him? And I actually was like, no, you can put him under the warmers and trying to make it sound like that's the mom thing. Um, like he's cold, put him under the warmers, but really it was like, I, like, I physically can't do it. I can't believe Mm -hmm. this just happened. Um, I felt guilty, um, because I think, you know, it's my body. Like, why couldn't my body keep him in there? 
And I, I mean, I realize that a lot of women experience that and obviously it's nothing that I did, but at the time you can't help but feel like it's my, it, I was the only one at that time that could have protected him. It was my responsibility. Why couldn't I do that? And so in that moment, it was very much like, no, I can't. Um, and then it was a lot of like pushing from like my husband, my mom, my dad, like you have to hold him. Like, this is your son. You have to hold him. And I'm so glad that I have people um, that really know me because they know at the end of the day, I would have regretted it if I didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like you had such a huge support system. And like you said, like huge. you, you realize when you have picked a partner that not only will look really cute in your wedding photos, but also will <laughs> like when you, you know, a couple years into marriage have to make really hard life decisions and go yeah. through things together. Um, yeah. they will stand with you. I mean, that, so mm-hmm. it's in some ways you're like, okay, God, did I pick the right person here? Like it's really, right. um, but then in retroactively, it's like, you knew you two right. held hands and you said, Nope, the only way forward is together. And that's right. so beautiful. Um, yeah. I wonder if, you know, what, what was one of the, the best things that someone did for you during this time? You know, what was, what was a way that a support person showed up for you um, in an unexpected way? You know, we always are trying to show people, don't just say, how can I help? But actually mm-hmm. do, just go ahead and do it because in, in times yeah. of crisis, you don't know. Yeah. I think for me, the biggest thing uh, that we still talk about all the time with my sister, just making it happen and being here. Um, I can't say that it's shocking because of our relationship and because of who she is. Um, But being in Australia and um, walking through her own journey with stuff, like she had just lost um, one of her best friends the year prior. And so she was kind of walking out that journey. um, And then her just asking no questions and just being here literally on the ground within 48 hours and just showing up for me made such a huge difference. It was a comfort level for me. Um, It was someone that I knew that I could be really open with without judgment, someone that I could vent to and scream and cry and laugh and have all the emotions, but also someone that I knew that was going to remind me of the promises that God had for me. And I think in that time, it was really difficult to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, But I mean, I also had like just our pastors showing up and I and friends showing up. And it was just one of those things like I know that I have great people in my life. Our circle is small, but our circle is great. Um, And I think it was I can't say that it was shocking because it's who they are and it's who we've surrounded ourselves with. But I think just the no questions asked we're here, whatever you need. Um, it was people sending meals and sending text messages and just like, you don't even need to respond. I just want you to know that I'm thinking about you today. Um, I think that was huge for us. It was just people showing up in the way that they knew how. And I feel like it strengthened um, relationships with a few friends. And with others, it was like, this isn't, this isn't how you want to be a part of our journey. Um, it really defined relationships for us, I would say. Um, people that we thought would be there were nowhere to be found, mm-hmm. nowhere to check in. And I know everyone handles things differently, but there were other friends that really stepped up. And I was I was really impressed, I think. Um, and I was, that's what shocked me, I think, is how much people were willing to get into it with us and have hard conversations and 
um, my best friend, Trissa was huge in that. And she was like, I'm going to ask you the hard questions that no one else wants to ask you. Mm -hmm. Like she asked about how everything happened and all those things that I needed to talk about. Um, she wasn't afraid to ask them and Mm -hmm. not necessarily make me feel uncomfortable, but really allowing me to tell my story, um, because she knew that I needed to talk to somebody about it. Absolutely. Um, I totally agree. I think during those times of crisis, it really, I think Ash and I have both experienced that. And so many moms have talked about it. Some, some, uh, some friends, some relationships strengthen and some kind of fall Mm -hmm. away. And I think that, um, part of it is natural and growth, but also part of it comes from like, like you mentioned, you see a part of the world that most people don't see until maybe they're older. Right. Right. Everybody experiences loss and grief in their life. Right. it at this point in this way in your life is really something that people don't talk about. Um, right. And so, and you know, like our, our parents and our parents, parents generation, they just kind of, you know, swallow the pain and maybe, you know, wrote it down in their diaries, but right. they didn't 100%. share about it this way. Mm-hmm. So it's um, definitely new, but I'm so, I'm just in it. I mean, obviously you're a wonderful person who attracted wonderful people to you. So I'll just say that. Um, (laughs) But I know you talked about being in shock while you're in the hospital and while Mm -hmm. it was all happening and you went through some incredibly back-to-back traumatic things. I mean, not even just the fact that um, he was born prematurely, but the fact that you delivered alone in a room is really, that that's very hard. Um, Mm -hmm. And so since so many moms walk out with, with struggling with mental health issues and things did mm-hmm. how did it change or evolve as you were discharging and you went home without Declan? Um, that, for, well, we were only there one night, which I mean, is normal for like a normal right. delivery. Um, we went home and then that's kind of when that night, I think I wasn't able to really, I was still on so much medication that I feel like I wasn't able to really process like what was happening. Um, and I remember waking up at like, I don't know, like four in the morning, texting my cousin Prince in New York. And that's when it kind of hit me. And I had a full crying breakdown in the room and, um, but like making sure that I kept it quiet because I didn't want to wake up my husband, (laughs) um, which, he will every time say like, what were you thinking? Like, why didn't you wake me up? But he, I mean, he was exhausted. He had just walked through everything with me. We had been awake a full 48 hours, that whole thing. Um, And it was, it wasn't even a phone conversation. It was a text conversation. He had called me and I said, I can't talk on the phone right now because I knew, I just knew like even having to say it out loud for me um, was really difficult. And so just the texting conversation of kind of what happened and how things were going. And I just remember like just breaking. Um, I honestly don't even remember leaving the hospital. I feel like everything was such a blur and probably just like routine, like, okay, we had a baby, we're leaving the hospital. Like it just, it is what it is kind of thing. Um, And I, then when we got home, I broke down the second we walked in the door and I didn't expect that to happen. Um, this happened on a Friday, so we came home on a Saturday, and I was shocked at how hard it was to walk through the door, because obviously we weren't planning to come home without him. I mean, I realized, thinking about it now, he would have gone to the NICU, so I would have been walking in the door without him anyway, 
but with him not being alive, I think for me was really shocking. And that's when it had hit me. Um, thank God we had not set up like the nursery or anything yet, because I don't even know. I know that mom could experience that and having to come home to an empty nursery. Like I, I just couldn't even imagine. Um, but as soon as we got home, it was like, we just, my husband and I just kind of sat there and we just cried and there weren't really any words um, to even, like, we didn't even know what to say. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, within minutes of being home, you know, you have flowers being delivered, you have meals being delivered and just people just showing up, um, just really showing up to really care about us. So we didn't have to think about anything. Um, but coming home, I think for me was the most shocking, like, I can't believe this just happened to me. Um, and really taking the time to be in our emotions, I think, um, because I'm, I, I'm not like this anymore, but I feel like I used to be someone who would just like brush things off or not talk about things. Um, or like it just happened. It, we have to keep moving kind of thing. That's just the personality type that I am. Um, that I'm not going to sit here and cry about things for days. I'm just very much like I get in fight mode, um, which now looking at my journey, I'm like, that's exactly why God created me like that. Because for me, it's been very right. beneficial. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think the days leading up to everything was really crazy and thinking like, oh my gosh, okay, we have to figure out like what is happening because he was born on September 14th. My birthday is September 22nd. Mm-hmm. So, and we were going to bury him. And I was like, okay, this has to happen like right now, because I can't, I can't do it when it's, I can't bury him on my birthday. I will never, like, I just will never be able to even celebrate life ever again. Um, That will forever be like the memory, you know? So things just started happening really, really fast. My parents are very, uh, very involved in our life. And so they just kind of made things happen. They got on the phone, they made calls, they made arrangements for everything. Um, and for us, we felt that it was important to only do the burial for immediate family. And then our two of our pastors were there, um, because it's like, you don't really have a funeral because it's a baby. Like, what do you say? You know? And I think that was our huge thing. So we had asked the pastors that actually married us who are incredible and there for just every part of our journey, um, just to come and kind of just pray over our family. And then we did a quick, um, burial because I didn't know what else to do I didn't want to as supportive as our friends were um, all of our friends have small kids Mm. and I didn't feel right because I know they would have shown up and I personally didn't feel right having them at something like that just because you never know how you can trigger other people Um, and so as much as they wanted to be a part and be supportive I really just felt like for us it was something that our immediate family kind of needed to walk through by ourselves Um, I think for me, what really helped is I sat down and I wrote out his birth story, uh, which I feel like usually people do just when it's time to like celebrate it and people share like their birth story on social media. And I've been really open with my story. However, I've never shared the birth story simply because I don't want one symptom that I had to trigger any mom that's reading my story to think, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my baby. So I am really cautious with details that I put out. 
Um, but sitting down for me and writing out my story, my husband had to run an errand. And so during, he was going to be gone for a couple hours. And it was the first time that I was at home by myself and I was terrified and I, he needed to go run an errand. And I was like, I don't know if I can be here by myself. And we ended up figuring it out. He left and I just, I had a full breakdown and it was like, I had turned on worship music and I just really, I, the hospital gave us a box with his blanket in it and all that stuff. I made myself open it and I kind of went through it and I just typed out his story and I'm like bawling because I remember What's weird to me is how much I can remember. I remember every word that was spoken in that room. My husband and I were just talking about this and he is someone who it's weird how his mind works. He blocks out trauma. So he sees it in like a highlight reel where I have every single word that was spoken. I can remember everything. I can remember the time. I can remember what we, what we were wearing, I, like every single detail about it. And so it's just, this, it's crazy how different you go through the same experience just different how you process it. Um, and so I just had to, I think that was the first time that I really gave myself permission to feel every emotion. And I feel like that was huge in my grief journey. Um, we got home on a Saturday, we were at church the next morning. Um, I remember texting one of our pastors. Uh, it's a church that I worked at for a long time. And so I knew a lot of people, I know a lot of people were involved in all that. So um, I remember texting and asking, can we come through the back door? once worship starts, because I didn't want to get stuck in the lobby. Um, we actually, right after it happened, that next morning, we shared it on social media instantly, because I didn't want to have to answer questions. I didn't want to have to go out. I didn't want to have to go to church and people ask, how are you feeling? How's the baby? Because I knew it was coming. And so um, my husband is like not a social media person at all. And um, he actually was the one that wrote out the like the whole caption for it and was like and pick the picture and we have to share it and so um I we went through the back door I didn't really want to talk to anybody but for and we got the question a lot like what are you doing here and for me I was like well, what am I going to do sit at home in the corner and cry like I didn't know that's all I knew to do all I knew to do was I need to get to church I need to just I need to be in a worship atmosphere of course bawled my eyes out through everything for months um but we were there and we were consistent and I feel like for us that made all the difference like people were great for us um but for me it was like our faith and our belief in God really is what carried us through the journey um that's why I talk about like the whole like heartbreak but peace at the same time something that I didn't even know was like possible. I don't even know really how to explain it until you've experienced it. Like feeling like, okay, we can do this. Like this situation sucks and I don't really know where to go from here, but if we could just do one day at a time. Um, and so that's just kind of how we walked through it. I mean, there were days that were incredibly hard for a really, really long time. Uh, but then there were days that we could laugh about things and smile about the experience but more than anything just be grateful that we got to meet him I think was my biggest takeaway from it um because not every mom that loses a baby gets the opportunity to do that and that was huge for me yeah one of the questions I had for you was was suggestions or encouragement for other moms who have to walk the grief journey after they lose a baby in the hospital but I don't even know if we have to ask it because you've, you've already shown us, you've exemplified it, 
Um, I love the different ways that you talked about, um, to, you know, choosing how you share your story. Um, Mm -hmm. also writing it down. That's hugely important, but also, um, I feel like the theme of your life is follow your heart, you know, listen to Mm -hmm. what your heart is saying. And so you knew that for you, what you needed was to go to be in church, be in worship the next day. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's something that is, that's huge for moms. Cause there's so, I don't know about you, but I fixated a lot on, am I doing this the right way? Like, how do you Mm -hmm. grieve the right way? Whatever that is. Yep but you just, you can only do what is, fills you up for that day. And, and I think it's so beautiful. I mean, or there, is there any other encouragement that you would share to lost mamas? No, I think what I have told other people that I've met that have walked through it or experienced something similar is just to allow, to give yourself grace and allow yourself to feel every emotion. Yeah. Um, Because I feel like you, and to deal with the whole fact that it's not your fault. Um, because people can tell you a million times, like there's nothing that you could have done to change the situation as a mom. That's not how you feel in that moment. You feel like my body fails. What could I have done better or to protect him and all of that. And I think I allowed myself to feel all of those emotions, even if it was being mad at myself, but then really writing down how I was feeling and reading it back. And when you read it back, for me, it was like, that is such a crazy thought. Like, how are you going to sit there and blame yourself for something that you had no actual control over? So for me, journaling was huge um, to read back my own thoughts because when you're thinking them, like your mind could go a million different ways. And then you're like, whoa, how did I even get to this thought? And so, but I think for me, it was just allowing myself to cry, to be angry, um, but then even giving myself space to be thankful and not being, I guess, judgmental of myself when I did have a good day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was just, I've never been someone who's been really concerned about what people think of me. And I think that was really helpful in this journey because it's easy to think like, oh, am I doing this right? Are people judging how I'm grieving? Mm-hmm. Um, and we did get that question sometimes, like, how are you doing this? Or the whole church thing, like, why are you even here today? It's because for me, that's what I need. Right. Um, and so I think more than anything, it was giving myself the permission to just feel. And for me, that was a little bit different just because I'm not a super emotional person. Um, I have been since having a baby, which is like, since Declan, I feel like, oh, okay, I do have emotion. <laughs> um, but I've just never been someone who's been super, super emotional about things ever. And so I've just kind of like, okay, that happened. Let's keep moving. Um, But I think in the grief journey, it was very big for me to just allow myself to feel things and know that it was okay. And it didn't make me weak to have emotion. Absolutely. Well, I, your story is so big in a lot of ways and Declan's story is big in a lot of ways. And we've uh, touched on it a little bit, but you mentioned how you sent something was, was off in the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So after having, um, Declan going through the postpartum period, I still was having a lot of pain in my body. Um, my doctor kept telling me, uh, it's postpartum things happen, things shift around all this stuff. Um, and at that point I was overhearing it just happened. This is normal because there was nothing normal about my experience. So I ended up going to, um, a different doctor 
and I got um, like a stool test and they ended up um, finding blood in my stool. So even then I was told that can be postpartum stuff from my previous OBGYN. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm over it. I'm done. Uh, this crazy, I got to find a new doctor. So I actually went to a new OBGYN who was actually the doctor who delivered me. Oh, wow. Um, and so he was my mom's doctor and I took him my medical records. And within minutes of him reading everything, he said, this is not normal. You need a colonoscopy. And I was like, what do you mean? I need a colonoscopy. What is that? Like, I knew what it was, didn't really, but didn't really know what it was for. I was like, I'm 28 years old. I don't need a colonoscopy. You don't have these till you're 50. And he told me, he was like, before we even start talking about a game plan for having more children, we have to figure out what's happening. And so he did a referral. I went and got a colonoscopy. And I remember waking up in a, out of anesthesia and told, uh, you have a tumor and you have colon cancer. And it was five days before Christmas. Oh my gosh. My mom and my husband were in the room. And I just remember my mom kind of breaking down, my husband being shocked and me being like, I'm pretty sure I did not hear you correctly. Like I have what? Um, and so thankfully the, um, doctor, the GI specialist that I had was friends with a very prominent surgeon in our area. And so he sent me right upstairs. The surgeon was incredible, met with me within two hours of having my colonoscopy. And we got a surgery date on the books. Um, I had had a tumor the size of a softball um, that was there for a minimum of six months. Mm. So I had the tumor throughout my entire pregnancy, uh, which was causing the pain on the right side of my body. Mm. So we kind of five days before Christmas diagnosis and um, January 25th, uh, 2019, I was in surgery oh to have the tumor gosh. removed. You weren't kidding. Yeah, it was that very fast. fast. Yeah, he was, the surgeon was absolutely incredible, but he was like, colon cancer moves fast. So we have to, we have to take care of it right now. Um, and through the PET scans and stuff, it, it looked like it had spread to my lymph nodes. It wasn't in any major organs. Mm. Um, and so I went into surgery that should have been, I think, like two hours. And it ended up being five and a half hours. They removed the tumor and 38 lymph nodes. Mm. Um, and then upon testing the lymph nodes, they all came back negative And it mm. hadn't actually spread oh, at all, which was a complete miracle because it should have with the size of the tumor where it was placed. Um, and so. After that, it was just recovery. I didn't do any, I chose not to do any treatment. Um, for me, having a baby was something that I knew that I wanted to do and treatment could affect fertility. Um, my percentage of the, two, of the cancer coming back was extremely low, mm -hmm. um, like 5%. And so for me, that wasn't worth, uh, like it was like a 60% chance of infertility. And so it was something that my husband and I talked about, prayed about, and I just, I didn't want to do treatment because it wasn't necessarily needed. Um, and so just follow up scans um, every three months and blood work. And here I am. Oh my gosh. It is uh, the amount of things that you went through within a six month time frame is pretty insane. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it's miraculous that not only are you standing here today, um, but you are faithful and strong and just, I mean, you, you really emanate like uh, courageousness and also joy. You're just really, I think that that's 
that is a, just a testament to your resilience and the, the people around you who, who, who mm-hmm. stood by your side. I know you spoke on this a little bit, but, you know, just to, uh, in reflection on the cancer part of your journey, um, you said that Declan somehow in some ways saved your life. Mm-hmm. Um, could you talk about how you've processed that, you know, the relationship between the pregnancy and the cancer? Yeah, um, obviously it was the most heartbreaking thing that we've ever been through. Um, But looking back, I'm like, oh my gosh, the same boy that made me a mom literally saved my life. Mm -hmm. Because if I would have carried out to full term, the cancer probably would have been throughout my entire body at that point, would have at least spread to a major organ. Um, And so looking back, obviously, obviously I would choose him over me, no questions asked. Like I did have, I mean, a doctor, the first doctor, like, well, he, I mean, he saved your life. So, and I'm like, what? Like, you're a mom, you know, as a mom, you would choose your baby over you. No questions asked. Like, it's just how it is. Um, but I think looking back and being like, wow, like, he's my hero. Like, he, mm-hmm. without even knowing, I mean, obviously, he was a baby, so he didn't know any of it. But looking back, I'm so grateful for so many things that he did for me, like taught me so much about me, um, made me a mom, strengthened our marriage, like just so many things and literally saved my life. Because if I would have carried him to full term, I probably wouldn't be here. Wow. Oh man, that's, that's a lot to process. I mean, I know what you mean about this, that mama part of your heart. That's like, I would give anything to have them be here, but it's, and who, you know, who, who knows why I, I'm, yeah. I'm so sorry for the loss of Declan. It sounds like he was such an incredible warrior of a boy. So I, and I feel very lucky that you shared who he was with us. So thank you so much for doing that. Thank um, you. Um, and I, I even hate to cut it off right now. Cause I have a thousand <laughs> questions for you. Maybe I'll just call you after this Brandy because Ashley has an appointment, okay. but I'll just call you. No, I, um, I, uh, want to just close this out by saying, thank you so much for sharing about Declan. Um, and there's a whole other part to Brandy's story. Y'all, you don't even know it's coming. It's, it's pretty <laughs> incredible. Um, and I, I can't wait to share it with you in the next episode. Well, until next time, sisterhood, we, we love you and we can't wait to share more with Brandy's story later. If you love this podcast and would like to hear more amazing stories, please consider becoming a member of the Dear NICU Mama Patreon page. In addition to special merchandise and early access to content, Patreon members support the mission, programs, and services of Dear NICU Mama. You can find the link on the description of this episode. As always, if you'd like to hear more from Dear NICU Mama, click subscribe. Welcome to the sisterhood.
If you love this podcast and would like to hear more amazing stories, please consider becoming a member of the Dear NICU Mama Patreon page. In addition to special merchandise and early access to content, Patreon members support the mission, programs, and services of Dear NICU Mama. You can find the link on the description of this episode. As always, if you'd like to hear more from Dear NICU Mama, click subscribe. Welcome to the sisterhood.